0: What's going on everyone, Wesley Shoemaker joined by Aaron Parker back with you today with the bluegoldsports.com podcast. Today we are going to be previewing Big 12 football media days as football is just around the corner. Uh, Aaron, happy Monday, big week ahead for the Big 12 in football.
1: Yeah, it is. We're getting closer to um, opening kickoff for Mountaineer fans. You're getting closer to September 1 in Pittsburgh. And I think it's going to be good to see all the uh, the Big 12 teams get down to Arlington, get get into Jerry World, and and see what they have to say. Um, see what what teams like Baylor and and newer what teams like TCU and um and Oklahoma have to say, and obviously the Mountaineers as well.
0: Yeah, it's kind of just breaking ground here. Uh, Big 12 Media Days in July, uh, kind of, I guess is you could say the beginning of the football season. In a sense, you kind of have media days, then, then a break, a couple of weeks, and then you just really start getting into fall camp, getting into everything, getting into the swing of things. So media days is kind of like the New Year's of college football in a sense in that you're kind of getting going with the football being the number one thing in the football season. It's kind of breaking ground in the football season. A couple of things for me that I think will be talked about, I think the biggest thing to look out for is talks about conference expansion. Like, obviously – Recent weeks, USC, UCLA have announced they're going to the Big Ten next year, or in two years, I think. Uh, And then next year, you have four new teams joining this conference, the Big 12. You have Cincinnati, University of Central Florida, Houston, and BYU. Obviously, with USC and UCLA, Pac-12, leaving the Pac-12, you have other Pac-12 teams that are thinking about to, uh, joining the big 12, you the big 12 and talks with their teams. And I think it'll be interesting to kind of get these coaches on record with how they feel. Obviously some coaches and most coaches will probably give you the, Oh, uh, it's whatever is in the best interest of the league. But I really think there are certain feelings, especially when you get into rivalries like Bedlam with Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, obviously Oklahoma head coach, Brett Venables new to this whole Bedlam thing. Mike Gundy, obviously not a stranger, Mike Gundy probably have a couple more opinions than Venables on this issue, but things like that, like you're losing Texas and Oklahoma, who knows when sometimes the next year or two or or three. And I think it's important to see that college football in general is going to keep expanding college. These conferences are going to keep expanding and kind of see where the big 12 lands in that. And I think these football coaches are kind of going to probably give you a gauge on where they think their conference is headed.
1: Yeah, I'd be interested to see if any of the current Big Twelve coaches have any opinions on teams leaving or or teams coming in. I know if you were to ask Neil Brown about it, he'd probably say something like, "You know, we're just kind of focused on our guys. We're focused on on us." He'd probably give you that type of answer. But I mean, you got good teams coming up. Um, you know, it it expands the geography of it. You got to go to um, you know Provo, Utah, to play BYU. Got to go down to Florida. You know, so I'd I'd be uh, interested to see what they would think of it. I know what Bob Huggins would think of it. Yeah. He's always complaining about going to Texas. So, you know, going, hopping on a plane going to, to Utah would be something different, but like, yeah, I would definitely want to see what Mike Gundy has to say about uh, Bedlam leaving here in a couple of years. He's a man of um, lots of opinions. Um, and he's very animated. So I'd like to see what, what guys like that would have to say.
0: Yeah. I certainly think that there's a place and time for emotions to come out. I think, that when you're in this setting, it seems kind of quick, kind of general. So it's not really a chance for coaches to really dig deep and get into the thick of things. Obviously, I think as we go throughout the year, throughout the football season, we'll hear more and more opinions on different things. But I think certainly it's a starting point, especially with all the recent moves and talks. You haven't really heard any coaches from the Big 12. And you have some big-time programs. You have Texas and Oklahoma, obviously, who are leading for the SEC. Baylor just won the Big 12. Oklahoma State's been a pretty top 15, top 20 team in the country the past couple of years. Um, Then you have teams like West Virginia, TCU, who have been there before obviously still trying to rebuild, get up there. Texas Tech hasn't really been in the national conversation recently. So you have these brands, you have these fan bases, you have all of these factors. And especially for these Texas schools, you have Houston coming in. For West Virginia, you're, you're no longer going to be the most Eastern team in this conference. You're going to have Florida, UCF in Florida. So I think there's a lot of factors that play into it. And I think now that we are coming closer and closer to more official things, especially now that we have dates of July 1st of next year set, As these four teams are joining, I think you're going to start seeing more and more of coaches talk about it, and I think it could start this week.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd hope so, for sure. As a fan, um, as a media member, you definitely want to hear what they have to say about teams like Houston Um, joining. Houston's a good program, both basketball and football. Got a coach in Dana Holgerson who's been with West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. He knows the Big 12. Um, So bringing that program to the Big 12, I'd be interested to see what guys like Neil Brown and... um, You know, Mike Gundy and those guys would have to say about it. But you know, with um, bigger conferences coming up, and I know other schools like Colorado and the Arizona schools have kind of reached out to the Big Twelve. Since that stuff isn't official yet, you know, I guess it wouldn't catch me by surprise if nobody said anything about the conference expanding too much. But yeah, to address the teams that are guaranteed to come in, you know, Houston, BYU, those teams, um, I say bring it on. I want to hear what the coaches have to say about the teams that are guaranteed to come in, and then we'll worry about the other ones later.
0: Yeah, another topic I think will, that will be widely discussed, and that has really been the topic of college sports in general, is name, image, and likeness. Obviously, we're kind of a whole calendar year into this new NIL stuff. Texas, I mean, they do it different uh, than West Virginia does. Obviously, Texas... Quinn Ewers, a former five-star quarterback who enrolled in Ohio state last year, then transferred to Texas. You can only assume he has some NIL deals. Like there's all these NIL deals. Each coach has different rules like thoughts on tampering and how you, how to contact players. And I think it's also good to kind of hear what they have to say on that front as well.
1: Yeah. yeah NIL is a big piece. Obviously we've seen guys like uh, Quinn Ewers get just up and transfer Jordan Addison from Pitt um, up and transfer. It's it's just a very different world. I mean, Addison's one thing because he was proven. He won the Blitnikoff Award and a bigger school came calling. But, like, Quinn Ewers, I know he was big time in high school, but he didn't prove anything. He took, like, two snaps at Ohio State. Um, and he's probably racked up well over a million dollars in NIL money. Um, but now he'll have a chance to actually play and see what he's, see what he's got. But Texas has a lot of four- or five-star recruits, so he's going to have to actually beat somebody out. Uh, it's just a very different landscape now, but, um, you know, It affects some people um, more than others. And West Virginia, you know, isn't the Texas and USC's of the world, but they've gotten guys like JT Daniels, and you can only assume that he'll get some NIL money as well.
0: Kind of pivoting now towards the West Virginia front. Neil Brown is going to take the podium, obviously, 10 minutes, usually 10, 15 minutes maximum uh, is usually where they talk on these podium Q&A sessions. Um, I'll ask you this first and then I'll go, Aaron, what do you think is the biggest thing you're going to look for? Obviously we're in summer, not much has happened. Um, what do you, what do you think the biggest thing that you're expecting or that you would like to hear from Neil Brown is? Um, I
1: want to hear, I want to hear how JT Daniels is, is fitting in the system. Um, you can only assume that's probably pretty good given that he's played, um, over a year with, with Graham Harrell as his quarterbacks coach. Um, But it's, you know, he's been in two different systems, two different programs, and to come into West Virginia um, kind of after graduating from Georgia, I kind of want to hear how he's doing considering. uh, I think we know what the status of the other quarterbacks are, just about if you were to throw them out there September 1, probably wouldn't look all that pretty. So I'd like to hear what um, JT Daniels' progress is. And then maybe another little update on the secondary. He gave us a lot of um, updates on the secondary, um, you know, before the semester ended, you know, spring football kind of stuff. Um, But there's a lot of new guys, Aubrey Burks, Davis Malinger, I'd like to see how they're doing, and um, injury updates as well.
0: For me, I think the biggest thing, obviously, is going to be the quarterback position, just because there's been that inconsistency level there the past couple of seasons. Obviously, I think Brown's going to try and pivot and just more or less say, we've got our guy, um, he's really improving, starting to build chemistry, yada, yada, yada. I think another thing though that I really want to talk like see him talk about is he's had firm stances on NIL in the past. He's talked about how there's all these periods, how he wants to create all these periods like this dead period, this talk period, how you have to have X done by X date. Things like that. He's he's talked about this in the past and I want to see now that we've we've gone through a whole calendar year of the cycle how he feels about that. And I also want to hear him talk about his offensive and defensive line. Obviously, we've heard a lot of things about this offensive line how they are more mature, how they're older. Obviously, got a big guy, Zach Frazier. You got James, like you have all these dudes up there that have been there that are older. It's just a matter of can they keep going and keep gelling? And then I want to hear him talk about the run game. Obviously, uh, Linjay J. Dixon is no longer with the team. So you kind of have a more clear picture of that running back room. And I feel like he should know that with that offensive line and with the running backs he has, his offense can be very dynamic. And I kind of want to hear him talk about how that offense is coming along now that we are almost to the halfway point in July and almost to fall camp.
1: I agree with you. I want to hear about the run game. Um, the offensive line and defensive line is something I'm very confident. Um, the Mountaineers have a lot returning, you know, Doug Nestor, Zach Frazier, um, you know, Wyatt Milam, James or all that. Dante Stills on the defensive line, Jordan Jefferson, Kaj Austin. So I want to hear about, you know, groups that are maybe inexperienced and in talking about the running back group. Bringing an experienced guy like Win J Dixon, but then he's gone. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know what that problem was, but you got one experience back in Tony Mathis. Justin Johnson got some snaps last year, but Jalen Anderson didn't get any snaps last year. So I want to hear how Jalen Anderson and Justin Johnson are progressing, and uh, you know who's catching balls out of the backfield more. Um, I kind of want to hear about those two because I think we know Tony Mathis is going to be the number
0: one back. I also think talking about the offense, one more thing is that. New new offensive coordinator. I would assume someone will ask Neil Brown about Graham Harrell. Um, new new OC coming from USC has has experience with J T Daniels, so I think that will be talked about as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he has to answer a few questions on that. But other than that, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward for Neil. Um, I think Coach Brown has done a good job with. With these things, he he does a really good job representing his team, representing the university, and I don't think this week will be any different. Um, as for the conference as a whole, Aaron, I'll go first on this one. Kind of things that I'm looking forward to, I want to see how... Um, first, I want to see how Brent Venables is doing in Oklahoma. Obviously, Oklahoma has been... Until last, season, until last season, they've been the class of the Big 12 for the past six, uh, seven, eight years, so kind of seeing a new coach comes for, comes from Clemson obviously Clemson has won a couple of national championships in the recent years um they've been to a bunch they've been to the college football playoff a bunch they've had a lot of talent and revenables has kind of remade that defense into being a powerhouse defense um and I want to kind of see how he brings that to Oklahoma because Oklahoma traditionally is will score 70 points but also give up 69 so like they'll beat you in shootouts they won't beat you in a Six to three game, or unless you play West Virginia and you're Oklahoma, unless you're Oklahoma and play West Virginia last year. But anyway, besides the point, I kind of want to see how he's adjusting to a new conference and a conference and a team that has more traditionally been offensive minded rather than him who has more of a defensive mind himself.
1: Yeah, that's a good point um, with Venables and Oklahoma. For me, I kind of want to take it a different round and, and go Oklahoma State and then, and then Baylor. Those two were in the Big 12 championship game last year. I don't think anybody would have predicted Baylor to, uh, to win the Big 12 championship game before that season started in 21. Um, so I want to see if Dave Aranda can, um, can rally the troops and get himself back to Dallas for a Big 12 championship game. And then my Gundy squad, it seems like year in and year out, they're right there. Um, you know, I think they beat Baylor in the regular season, I think. Um, and then they were like one yard shy winning that big 12 championship. So, um, you know, they're always so close to that kind of college football playoff talk. I think they lost at Iowa State as well. Um, I want to see if Mike Gundy can can rally his troops and, and, and get over those little upset wins. I think one year when they had Justin Blackman, um, they should have made the national championship and lost to like, like a three and eight Iowa State team. So I want to see if they can get over that hump and kind of put themselves in that, in that playoff talk, but uh, they got to beat Baylor and they might have to beat Baylor twice. So I want to see that little rivalry
0: go on again. Yeah. For me also with Baylor, like Dave Aranda, he's done a really good job with the bears. And I think not, not really anyone I don't think expected them to have the turnaround. They did a season ago. And just, we can talk about this real quick. The like big 12 preseason poll Baylor received 17 first place votes. And for the first time in however many years, dethroned Oklahoma as the projected number one team in the conference. So I think that's something to pay attention to now that they're kind of viewed more as a top dog than just a, another team. in, in a sense, um, there another coach I want to hear talk is Matt Campbell. Obviously last year was supposed to be the year for Iowa state. Last year was supposed to be the year that they kind of put everything together. Brock Purdy, obviously will no longer be there. Brees Hall will no longer be there. So they've kind of got to recreate a couple of things on offense. Uh, But Matt Campbell, I think, has done a phenomenal job at Iowa State. I don't expect him to not keep that program building and climbing towards success. Obviously, I think they play Iowa again this year. That was a tough loss for the Cyclones last year, kind of derailed them to start the season. Um, So I think that's going to be a hot topic for Matt Campbell is you've had – all these teams and all this talent, and last year was supposed to be the year. How do you recover from that with a new team, with new leadership, and things like that?
1: I agree. I do want to hear what Matt Campbell has to say. Um, I've liked what I've heard from him. I've listened to a couple of interviews from him. But yeah, no Brees Hall. Um, he was probably the best back in the big. He was the best back in the Big 12 last year. Uh, no Brock Purdy. Feels like Brock Purdy's been there since we were in middle school. So I mean, who's gonna take that number one quarterback job? um and yeah can you can you beat iowa i mean even with his best teams he kind of can't get over that that iowa hawkeye hump um and he's, he signed a big deal with iowa state i think he had a chance to jump ship and go somewhere else and uh, he stayed with Oil. so now when you got your two guys your two best guys leaving how can you build on that and you know to, to jump to another side on kind of the mid-tier big 12 teams tcu they've had gary patterson for a long time and now it's sunny dykes from smu he's run a good program there and I'm kind of interested to see what he'll have to say about getting TCU um, changed a little bit. Cause Gary Patterson is still within the conference. He's in what? An analyst at Texas. He's, so he's a,
0: he's a, yeah. He's in Austin.
1: So I want to see what Sonny Dykes can, can bring to the table for TCU cause they didn't have a very good year last year.
0: Also, I think it'll be, I would, assu- I, I, I would just think just because it's, this is more of the forum for it. I bet Sonny Dykes gets asked about how they have to play the Horn Frogs. I mean, how they have to play SMU as the Horn Frogs oh, this yeah. year. So um. Things like that, little things I think are to look forward to. Kind of just going over the Big Twelve uh preseason poll. Baylor was first, Oklahoma second, Oklahoma State third, Texas fourth, and Kansas State fifth round of the top five. Then Iowa State sixth, TCU seventh, West Virginia eighth, Texas second ninth, and Kansas tenth. Just your overall thoughts, your impressions, not even just from a West Virginia standpoint, from a from a just a Big Twelve standpoint. What do you think of this poll in general?
1: Hmm. Um I know they haven't – you said earlier that they haven't made a lot of national news lately, but Texas Tech at nine, uh, I'm going to go no on that. Um, they fired um, their, their head coach last year midseason, um, and they turned out to be better without him than with him. They won some games. They won that one game on like a 65-yard field goal. Um, I thought their interim head coach did a good job. I'm, I'm not sure what his name is, but to pick them nine, I'm going to go no on that one. I think they'll be better than, like, Kansas State. Kansas State at five, I think, is a little too high. Interested to see about Texas. Obviously, you, you know, I'm not a fan of Texas, but Sarkeesian, what, year number two, year number three? Very disappointing season yeah. last year. So he's got to turn it around soon, or uh, the fans in Austin will get restless. But, you know, they got Arch Manning to commit. They have Quinn Ewers. They have a lot of, a lot of firepower as far as guys coming in from high school um, and transfers. So, so he's got to turn it around year two.
0: Yeah, just kind of looking at it, um, I don't think Baylor will finish a top of this conference two years in a row. I just honestly don't see it. I think there's so many good teams in the conference this year, especially at the top, that it's going to be hard for the Bears to repeat. So that's if I were to have to move one team lower, I think it would be the Bears. As for a team that's too high, I agree with you. I think Kansas State, a little too high. Um, I think they've probably finished in the 6-7 range. Um not not five Texas Texas Oklahoma State two wild cards um, they could they could either both have really good years they could both kind of be mid-tier. I have more confidence in Oklahoma State based on recent history but Texas obviously the talent is there. they've just got to put it all together for a full season. then West Virginia uh, obviously we're a West Virginia based podcast here but being eighth with a five star quarterback a defense that was pretty good and a uh, schedule at home which, Kind of gives you the best teams in your place. Obviously, you have to go on the road to Texas, but you get uh, Baylor at home. You get uh, Oklahoma at home. You get uh, TCU at home. So, like, you have all these home games here this year for West Virginia. So, I just think it's a little surprising to see them eighth. um, And then Texas Tech, Kansas, I feel like the bottom five teams, you could reshuffle them in any way, shape, or form. Kansas, who knows? Like, who knows? They're – they seem to either shock you in a good way or in a bad way every year. And you never really know with them.
1: They played Oklahoma tight last year with Caleb Williams. So you never know.
0: Yeah. And I think that's another thing like that will be talked about, especially with Brent Venables is that as you bring the Caleb, Caleb Williams point up is that a lot of, OU guys left with uh former head coach, Lincoln Riley and went to USC. You had a lot of those guys leave. Um, And so he's kind of had to, in a way, rebuild a roster. I think he went and got a Juco quarterback. Uh, He's done a couple things here and there, but it's just, you're not used to Oklahoma having to retool and rebuild in a sense. And I think with the new coach, they're kind of starting to have to start from scratch in some places, and it'll be interesting to see how they adjust and how they address that.
1: Yeah, you're right. You usually don't see a powerhouse like Oklahoma have to kind of rebuild. You know, they had stoops forever, and you kind of knew what you're going to get with that team. And then when he retired, he gave the job to Lincoln Riley, and maybe some people had question marks, but he was that guy, um, and they didn't take any kind of dip at all. Um, so now to t- kind of change the tide and go to a defensive coach like Venables, you lose Williams, you lose half your offensive players, your offensive weapons. I wouldn't put them too. Um, I'm not going to put them if I'm if I'm doing the preseason list. I'm not putting Oklahoma State behind them. Um, they're experienced. They got their quarterback coming back. I do think Oklahoma. Don't they have Dylan Gabriel from US uh, UCF Central Florida? Uh, I could. I'm not I, sure. I'll stop I my think Oklahoma has Dylan Gabriel, and then they probably have a JUCO quarterback as well. They'll be good. It's just kind of. It's going to be hard to see what kind of offense yeah. they'll run. So what yeah, Gabriel
0: like. is in Norman. Yep.
1: And like you said, I mean, just Oklahoma, you kind of always know what you're going to get, but now they have to change it up and it'll be interesting, interesting to see what they'll do.
0: Yeah, I think just in general, there's a lot of teams that have a lot of question marks and there are a lot of teams that have a lot to prove. West Virginia is one of those teams that has question marks and something to prove. I think Texas is one of those teams that has question marks and a lot to prove, especially for that fan base down there in Austin. So it'll be just interesting to see what gets addressed, what gets talked about, what these main talking points will be. And it hopefully gets some good things to talk about following this week.
1: Yep. Uh, It should be interesting. Um, You know, I want to hear from some of the guys like Dave Aranda and Matt Campbell. Um, These are well-spoken guys and, and, and they have good football teams. And I kind of want to hear what they have to say. Also, Chris Kleiman, he's a good coach for Kansas state. Maybe that's why they threw them the Wildcats at number five. I mean, he's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. Um, He's at North Dakota state. He runs a clean program, but, yeah, I want to hear what those guys have to say, and, and I'll be interested to see what the athletes like Zach Frazier and Dante Stills uh, will have to say as well.
0: Yeah, I, I hope for West Virginia their focus is all on September 1st, and I would be surprised if you hear anything but to that. Uh, anything else from you, Aaron, before we get going?
1: Uh, no, that's all good for me. Uh, another thing, I, as far as the athletes go, I'm glad to see Charles Woods is going. Um, and representing WV. I think he's, he's been a, a good cornerback for us for a couple a couple years now, and he's going to be really the, the only experienced cornerback in that secondary that, that got a lot of playing time last year, so I'm glad to see that that Neil Brown and Shane Lyons uh, brought him along.
0: Well, that'll do it for this episode of the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. If you made it this far, we really do appreciate it. I'm Winston Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker, and thank you for listening.